Hello and welcome to another Sunday Post Politics podcast. Uh, we're back just a few days after apparently being killed off. Uh, the podcast has returned. Um, does that make me like Jesus? It's for other people to say. You've um, I have, that's true. Um, but this is the end, like Jesus. Uh, next time, it def- this definitely is the end. Uh, I'm joined by a massive panel for this final farewell uh, of MPs versus journalists. Of course, we all get on fine here, really. Uh, I'm joined again by uh, Kirsty Blackman, MP MP for Aberdeen North. Well done. Uh, for the first time, mm. sneaked in at the end, I know, like yeah. Indiana Jones grabbing his hat uh, <laughs> like under a gigantic rock. I love that comparison. Uh, I that all day. Neil Gray, uh, I said that because I can't remember what you're MP for. I'm trying ah. to buy you up first. MP for <laughs> Cope Bridge? Oh. No, 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 that's no more. Where is it? Airdrin Shorts. Oh, it's West of Scotland somewhere. Um, I'm telling Phil. Oh, I'm, I'm well, oh, yeah, well, he wears black suits. He looks like a mafia man. I don't want to, don't want to upset him. Uh, I'm also joined by uh, Annabelle Dixon Hello. from the Eastern Daily Press, chair of the regional lobby. Uh-huh, and nice. I'm joined by John Walker, uh, my Hey Now Hank Kingsley throughout this podcast's uh, vice chair of the regional lobby. Yeah, so I'm told, I hadn't known that until today. And I am <laughs> deputy chair of the regional lobby. We're all in the same place. This is terrible. We could all be blown up. Um, we couldn't, we're in the safest place in the whole country. Um, right, I want to do a couple of big issues and then some jingle-tastic nonsense. Right, uh, let's start with the state of politics. Go on then. Um, where are we with politics at the moment, right? We've got a big EU referendum. It's a load of old nonsense, a lot of people are saying. Um, John, you've been in politics longer than anybody here. <laughs> Do you think it's, is it the same as it always been? Are we in a worse place, a better place than we were when you began, what, 10, 15 years ago? Well, the, the EU referendum campaign is, uh, is a disgrace, but I'm sure we'll talk mm. about that. But you know what, well, I actually think we're in a slightly better place because when I, was, when I first came here, it was in the heyday of New Labour. Mm. And New Labour ran a very slick and uh, competent uh, operation controlling the media. And they, they really did do it. They did it extremely well. I mean, they would feed people yeah. stories. They're very good at giving people news. This all sounds good. Well, it was good good for them, but it wasn't actually good for us because they really did control what went in the papers. They, they had a fantastic operation and they managed to control what a lot of papers wrote. Not through bullying, not through uh, telling people off, for actually just doing a really good job of pumping out stories which made good stories, which made a good page lead for the journalist, but which were tailored by their spin team, Alistair Campbell and so on. This sounds great. What's the problem with this? This sounds fantastic. Is everyone happy? Did everyone get stories? Well, it's good for for me and good for uh, journalists to some extent, but it wasn't good for our readers. Did that not mean, was it not your fault? Should oh, yeah. you not have been doing more to, you know, actually root out the, the bad stuff? Well, uh, well, yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, but it's become easier for journalists to, to do a bit of that because the PR has got a lot worse. I'm not blaming Labour. I mean, all credit to them. Uh, and you're quite right to say that um, perhaps it's the media that's to blame. But that, so, that type of spinning has gone, and as much as it exists, it's... Incompetent nowadays. So, so do you think it's a, do you think it's more difficult for that type of spin to exist with the advance of social media as well? You know, the public scrutiny uh, on politics is so much greater, um, it's so much it's far wider, and allows for everybody to have their say on what's going on. So, I, I mean, it's not just uh, that the spin has gone, or, or, or it's just that it's more difficult to do because of social media. Everybody's a journalist. 
Mm. Yeah, and I think things aren't in parties' control. Things do spiral so quickly out of control, mm. don't they? And it's very hard for the party once it gets out to, to sort of stay on top of it. Do they? Or do they spiral out of control because we all sit here and tweet each other and then in, actually in six hours it's all over? And your normal person who's been out at work all day comes and puts on the 10 o'clock news <laughs> at night and doesn't even know it happens. You know, do things actually spiral out of control? I don't know. Yeah, I think I yeah. think they do because it's got to the point where someone will immediately react. Yeah. And before you can kind of simmer everyone down and say nothing to see here, another MP has already taken to Twitter and said, you know, been asked about it live on TV because it, it's sort of immediately happened. I suppose the obvious example is budgets in recent years that have unravelled in super mm, quick time. They unravel a lot. And like you say, when Labour in charge, the budgets were very carefully controlled mm-hmm. and it tripped out to a certain... And they actually planned them before they said them. That's true. <laughs> yes. yes. And planned who was going to get talked about. about it. I think as well we're also fo- we're focusing on you know negative stories about politics. We're not. Mm. We're also you know when I go back to social media, it allows politicians to um, get stay in touch with their constituents in a, in a far more positive way to reflect yeah. what they are doing for them. You know to. Uh, regularly update them on things that are going on in the house, the things that are do- they're doing in their constituency. Um, so it ha- I think it's brought politics forward in a lot of ways. And to what extent, I mean, Tony, particularly in Scottish politics, obviously you were heavily involved in other you were custody, although you were involved in slightly different ways, right? Because you, know, you were a councillor and you were working for an MSP and a, mm. uh, more of a campaigner, is that fair to say? You know, you, I know you were both campaigning, but I could never deride the campaigning abilities right. of a councillor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you're, you're campaigning in slightly different ways. Is that I'm fair not to sure, say? No, I'm not sure that we would have been no. um, because I I've worked for MSPs since 2006 as well. Mm. Um, okay. So you know, I've I've been around there as well. I've probably done a bit less campaigning on the doors in in the most recent years because I've got two small children. Um, right. But you know, I don't think I've. I, I think right. I'm the competition. Wasn't suggesting anybody was better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you but, led us down that road. Uh, oh, well, you know, we've got to try and make the SNP have some sort of yellow on yellow. Let's face it. Um, but you know, right, you're both heavily involved in the referendum. Then, mm-hmm. what impact has that had on politics, Scottish politics? Has it improved it in the sense that you've got the engagement? Social media was obviously a big part of the indie ref hashtag indie ref. Mm. Or has it not improved it because? Um, it's divided the nation and it's got slightly lowbrow, if you like, in the sort of, um, you know, yes versus no battles that we're led to believe mm. are still going on. I don't know. I mean, the Conservatives made the Constitution a yeah. massive issue of the Scottish elections. Nobody else seemed to be really talking the same way that they were. But I don't think that the divisions are there as much as some people would like us, that would like to believe. Um, I think it did energise Scotland. You yeah. know, that you see the turnout figures uh, last year and this year, you know, still... Not uh, brilliant this year, high. though, were they? Uh, it's still higher than before. Decent, but... Still high, a lot higher than before. Um, you know, yeah. um, uh, Alec Neil's election in uh, 2011, um, just 50%, a lot higher this time around. Mm. You know, so I think, um, you know, it has engaged people in politics. They are thinking about uh, what's going on. They know who their politicians are. Yeah. Um, and they're not afraid to challenge them, which is something I don't think we had um, to a great extent before. Just just on that, I think the 2015 election has done a, a great job in that as well. One of the things about the 2015 election, doesn't matter what 
colour the parties are. But if you get a whole load of new politicians, they're going to have to try and act differently to their predecessors and try and sort of make their stamp on that constituency. Mm-hmm. And with the advent of social media, with the sort of post-referendum Scotland, we're all having to be far more accountable and far better at explaining what we're up to mm. than our predecessors necessarily did. So our predecessors, you know, maybe got voted in because they had been five years ago and opened the school fate and people mm. remembered seeing them out and about, but they weren't, some of them, not all of them, some of them weren't as accountable on a day-to-day basis for what they were actually up to. Um, and I think we are having, because of social media and because of being new parliamentarians, we're, gonna ha- we're having to prove ourselves to our constituents. I'm not talking about in the media, I'm talking about, you know, mm. we're having to do the casework. Well, we'll see, won't we? I mean, the thing with that is obviously that will play out at the next general election because yeah. you guys have all got massive majorities uh, for whatever reason. Well, we're, and we'll find out at the we next are election. We are campaigning for our own redundancies, though, James. So True. <laughs> but, well, all right. Yeah, I still think you might possibly be here in 2020. Um, <laughs> cynic. Okay, well, that, that's <laughs> not cynical. That's Dude. Really? You really Pessimist. think there'll be an independence referendum and you'll be out by 2020? Yeah, never say never. It's 2016. You can't have another referendum for at least another 12 months. Events, dear boy. Events. And then two years events. to get out. That's going to take you to 2019. Events, dear boy. What, you reckon the EU referendum might play many, for your many, way? There are many things that uh, could, could uh, bring that about. But, you know, that's, as has been said so often, it'll only be when it's right for the people and when the people say that it's right that we have another one. But um, the, People are a the, long way off from at the moment. I don't. I'm not convinced. But I. I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't think it's as clear cut as uh, no chance, never um, again. I think. Well, it's, never again. But by 2020. Like I say, I mean, if again, I say if Scotland is taken out of Europe against our wishes, yes. that is a fundamental issue. Yes. It's a fundamental constitutional issue yes. uh, that has to be brought back to people for a discussion. Yes. And, and I, I think a lot of people are underestimating the importance of that and uh, where that could lead us. But, I mean, let's not get too sidetracked into previous discussions. But if that happens, two things will happen. One is the no side will say, right, so you want to join a union of however many million people but leave a union of 60 million, which they're already saying. And B, the jurors figures are rubbish. Scotland's bust. That still remains the case. Uh, that, that's not actually true. But, uh, but our current economic status is part of the United Kingdom. Uh, so if we had all the leaders, yeah, the no side. I'm not saying the, ju- the, the no side will hold up the jurors figures, and you've got to compete. You've got to deal with that again. Yeah, the, uh, these the, the, the Scotland's economy is fundamentally very strong, very strong. The oil is a bonus, um, and we could survive very well um, uh, as things are. The, I am yeah, not tied but the no side is still going to pick up even if that's all true the no side will still pick up the jurors figures and go be afraid which, and which, will go, which weren't entirely accurate and also as I say reflect Scotland's current position as part of the United Kingdom there you go as I you know I would refer you back to I don't know if I've ever told this story but the day after the referendum I was in the back of a car having been kidnapped no I hadn't been kidnapped <laughs> um, but I was in the back of a car with uh, two very senior people from Better Together and the Lord Ashcroft poll dropped about why people voted no. And one of these very senior people said, I don't need to be told why they voted no. We scared the bejesus out of them. <laughs> and they'll do it again. Well, and that's exactly what the uh, current campaign of the EU referendum is doing as well. Again, it's it? all so the same stuff. Well, I well, know the polls. The polls, are, you know, I'm not convinced still. You know, the, we cannot take our place in Europe for granted. And it really is... Um, on it, uh, genuinely on a knife edge. You know, one day you'll have one polling company saying 
remain as two points in front, yeah, yeah. and then a week later, the same polling company will have leave two points in front. It, it, it's it's well, going back us, and forth. Tells us that posters are mad, don't know anything. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, I, I think you're right. right about that. That's something that's got far worse about politics. Yeah. The number of polls, and they're all guff. Well, I think at the moment, after the uh, 2015 election, one thing that we know, or we should know, is that we can't believe the polls. I mean, I think we, we're going to need to wait for them to get it right a few times before we can start believing them again. Accurate. You know, pretty accurate, Scott. Exactly. The 2015 mm. polls had it pretty nailed mm. in Scotland. But come on, you could, have done, you could have done no polling and just walked out into the street we didn't and seen them. everybody. You didn't we have to believe it, but yeah, come on. So on one hand, you're saying that you don't need to do the polling because it's clear well, to see. And then the right. other, but you could do polling and is the sun going to come up tomorrow morning and you get 100% <laughs> yes and you go, oh, look, the poll's right. I mean, that was basically what happened in Scotland last year. Are the SNP going to... Oh, here we go. Um, well, to, just on the India ref issue, Kirsty, he's bad, isn't he? There's not going to be a, an India ref and you're going to be out by 2020. I don't think it's likely that we'd actually be out by 2020. Yeah, I think an India ref for 2020 is not out of the question no. at all. Um, I think actually getting the kind of 18 months of negotiation or however long that'll take is is mm. pretty unlikely. Um, but, but you know, I, I'm not sure whether or not you would need no, just MPs to, at that stage. Just to be clear, I said he's mad, isn't he? And you did not disagree. I don't think yes. anybody disagrees. Have we with got that. yellow and yellow? Have we got a yellow and yellow dispute? I, is that what's going on here? I'm no, not going the, to. The I quite like Neil. Get in. Get in. The SNP group is united in its belief that I'm mad. Will, will <laughs> he get your vote when you stand for deputy leader? Sorry? Are you who's gonna, who's gonna, standing for deputy leader? Are you going to stand for deputy leader? I'm not standing for deputy leader. Oh, he ruled it out. I know somebody who didn't rule it out. I heard that Callum didn't rule it out. He and I heard right. that you're supporting him. Yeah, uh, you're, why are you official, you're the official spokesperson for Callum McKay for deputy. Uh, not deputy. I've, I've, I've talked him up as possible leader of the Westminster well, Group. Why I'm, are you? Why are you supporting Callum? There's no end to this man. Why are you not waiting to see what other people are putting themselves forward? Um, Is Callum your favourite? I'm SMP just trying MP? to keep him in the. Ooh, hello. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep him in the race. Right, Hannah Bardell's being talked up very early doors. I think he needs to be kept in the race. That's all. Just but, but why keep it interesting. I mean, you he's, know, he's I, I like Callum, but Callum's the got, person I argue This is where most. you can divide yeah. and bring a, bring a wedge, he's right? Young. The, two, the, the, the Aberdeen representatives, that's where, you, you know, yeah. the competitive influ- oh, influences going that's on. That's why she's on this podcast, I know. Did, did you see what he did to my chair? What chair? You know how we had the pointless thing? What? Um, you know how oh, he, the, we were on oh, pointless, yeah, 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 the MPs yeah. were on pointless, and Callum wasn't pointless. Yes. I don't know how that's he was pointless. That's why I'm talking but him up. Callum put a sign on my chair that said pointless. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, it's like, almost like being back at school, like Hogwarts or something. Is it? Yeah. So if just, he wasn't competitive, he's, so got, he's got the experience, he's young. He's, there's something that's Sean Connery esque about him, I think. Oh, you've got a bit of a thing good for Callum. No, no. That would suggest I've got, a, that would suggest I've got a thing for Sean Connery. And Carl Carl McKay, McKay, is, uh, Sean doesn't Connery. everyone? No. Uh, his silly voice. Spanish. He played a Spaniard in the Highlander and spoke with a Scottish accent. How that um, Anyway, back to politics. Somehow, I'm not quite sure how we go. I told you it would be a ramble chat. Um, Annabelle, you're the newest person here to the whole political know, spectrum, yeah. even though you're the most senior amongst us in a way with your, your role. Um, you know, as politics... Been, I mean, you've been here a few years now. Yeah, more than three years. Um, so I think it's just all referendums and general elections. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is, basically. I mean, I've been here four and a half years and that's what it's been. Um, <laughs> that's basically been my... I came just before the Scottish referendum and then had a general election. But has it been what you expect in terms of the politics? Have you been disappointed by what you found or pleasantly surprised? Oh, um... Mixture of both. I think it's a lot more exciting. I mean, I've always, yeah. obviously, always been very interested in politics. But once you get here, 
And yeah. once you're kind of covering it, yeah. day in, day out, it's funny the things you get excited about. <laughs> True. The real world doesn't really. But I do, I mean, I do think that in terms of engagement, mm. um, I think in the last three years, the outside world, the non-political geeks, because I do have friends that aren't, do you? Yeah. Well yeah. done, you. Yeah, from a previous life. <laughs> um, and I think that people, the wider public, is getting more interested in politics. I think referendum, the Scottish referendum has done that. Yeah. I think there's been a really exciting story around the rise of the SNP, yeah. the Scottish referendum, the general election. Probably not so much, actually, in that, but now the EU referendum yeah. suddenly and got people talking. Um, Jeremy Corbyn as well. The yeah, rise of the Corbynistas yeah. has been sort of part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Engaging people well, it's, to it's think he can win an election. I mean, whether these are the sort of people you want to engage in politics is a different matter. But uh, you want everybody to, find to be the engaged in politics. Thing, well, you know, I come back to this time and again. Right? We also want a representative parliament. Mm-hmm. Some people in the population are really stupid. Does this mean you want really stupid MPs? This is like the Humpty Dumpty discussion we had last time. Is it? Yes. Um, I think the Parliament should be representative, absolutely. I think people should choose the person that they want to represent them, and I think those people should represent the population as a whole. I mean, you know, it, I, I'm going to veer into some slightly dodgy territory, but it's also the same with journalism to some extent. It's the same with the citizen journalists. Do you want citizen journalists who don't have legal training, who don't actually know what they're talking about, or do you want smart people who can explain stuff to people to others i think there has been a dumbing down of journalism and i think there is that kind of there's definitely a place for that kind of you know um the list the lighter stories and we all love those but i think it's not all of us very some of us don't love buzzfeed at all i, but, I, all I right. do i like you know i like i like the kind of light stuff but i think that but i think there is a tendency in the kind of fast-paced twitter facebook you know, how much of Facebook is the Tories are evil because they did X, Y, yeah. and Z. And it's very, la- you know, it's very black and white. And politics is not black and white. Mm-hmm. But I think there is this kind of wider public who just see this, you know, this person voted for a cut to X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How could they? They're evil. And I think a lot of the kind of nuance I'm, I'm not saying they were right to do it but a lot of the nuance and yeah and you know the other argument the other side of the argument just doesn't doesn't get across and i think that is um something that we're seeing with facebook and twitter whereas probably in the past you'd have sat and read uh, a newspaper yeah. article which you know which might not always but yeah in local journalism particularly we try to be as balanced as possible so we would have to be both sides mm. and it wouldn't be at that kind of simplistic mm. this person is evil because they did x y and z um, mm. And I'm sure it's the same for you. You do things mm. that, that can be completely misrepresented. Mm. Um, and I think this is where the, one of the biggest challenges for journalism mm. uh, comes from. Because I'm particularly interested. You know, I used to work at the BBC. Used to uh, do local journalism um, when I was at university. Um, and the challenge of the press, in particular, staying relevant uh, at a time of uh, you know social media, mm. the social media, particularly weekly papers um, who, you know, a lot of time... The, 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 Sunday the, the papers, com- you mean? No, the, no, the weekly locals, because, <laughs> okay. the, the weekly locals, because a lot too. of the time, you know, the news story is because of social media, because of 24-hour news, the mm. news yeah. stories moved on, you know, trying to... And you see now, particularly, um, without being just Kirsten Eyes' generation, just not 
buying newspapers, mm. partic- picking yeah, up yeah. all of their news on social media. Mm. Um, and I, I'm not sure that all of uh, the outlets have and quite risen to the challenge. It's skewed because you're reading what you want to read. Yes, yes that's you're the trap. You're, that you're yeah. not reading a columnist who makes you want Correct. to throw the newspaper across the room. But equally, someone yeah. who I do often. Who might, yeah. I do often. <laughs> <laughs> but, is that my, but who might challenge? <laughs> is that my column? <laughs> who might challenge? Yes, yeah, so we never read them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's very true. Which is why you offer, which is why you offer podcasts and Twitter and all sorts of value yeah. value added stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, Facebook is a big challenge, isn't it? Mm. Because you know, during the referendum, it's a big deal mm. because a lot of people got their information off there. So they did. But they only get one side of it. I mean, that's good that you're getting information to more and more people. But obviously people only see, the, as you say, the information that they go looking for that gets shared by people with similar beliefs. It becomes an echo chamber. And the argument during the referendum was that for so long um, only one side of the argument had been portrayed elsewhere in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, well, that social media was the only access to uh, getting yeah. the other side of the argument. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't entirely true, but there's certainly no, some, was certainly something to it. No, but there is something yeah, to that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yes, that's where you end up with this problem, with mm-hmm. both of them becoming echo chambers to some extent. And, and we've got to start challenging the... You know, that, and that's what journalists have done for years. Obviously, some haven't, but that's... You know, journalists mm. are there to challenge and, um, yeah. you know, not accept the status quo and be a bit cheeky and say something that, yeah. you know... That well, that upsets the Prime Minister. One of the challenges that we face as an industry, though, is that um, people in the industry who've been looking at how the media has changed and trying to, uh, to adapt, as um, we're talking about, the, the answer that they tend to come up with is, is not to sort of challenge the status quo, but rather, rather to join in with, with mm. what's happening already mm. on social media. So you, mm. you look to, you're trying to find a way to create um, a new story or content which is going to sort of go viral which mm. is going to be shared oh. and often that means for, for some people in the industry and uh, to some extent um, there's always people involved in the news industry who's who are concerned with the bottom line who are looking at making yeah. profit and and we depend on that for our job so mm. the push often is to actually do stuff which sort of joins in in the echo chamber to be part of the echo chamber mm-hmm. and try to get picked up by the people who are doing the sharing mm. which is um Good because that gives you an audience, and the whole point of journalism is to have an audience yeah. and to be read. But actually, is it? Well, was it to disseminate a, information? Well, you, yeah, but you need you need to be read to do that. If nobody's reading what you write. It's True. it doesn't count. You need to somehow do both. Mm. Yeah, but you can. I mean, you can do things well on social media that are not kind of clickbait. So mm. I did a piece on social media on the fiscal framework. Yeah. Now nobody rule. is excited about the fiscal framework, but it got shared hundreds of times. You know, loads and loads and loads of people read my Facebook piece on fiscal framework. Um, is that not because you called it and Lord Dunlop kittens smells of poo or something? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Click here and yeah. find out about. No, no, it was just Lord it was Dunlop just, is a Muslim. Here is an easily explained bit on the fiscal framework yeah. that explains what it is and explains why everybody's excited about mm. it. Um, and you know that that got shared loads. So actually. If journalists write a really good piece mm. that really well explains something that's particularly naughty, um, as in complicated, then that'll get shared. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right about that. But the, the, the reality is, sadly, in, in terms of um, the finances, there are people doing it. There are people doing really good work online, professional journalists and, uh, and others. And 
the the website sometimes use pieces which are very good, which are written by other people, including by, including by politicians. They don't make any money, certainly. Mm. Yeah, that's... Um, I mean, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know what the answer is. And mm. the answer isn't to, to dumb down and just do clickbait stuff. But for the industry, that's a challenge that we face and we don't have an answer to. Yeah, that's the tricky thing, isn't it? That you did that as a favour, essentially, to explain the fiscal framework. But at the end of the day, anybody actually looking at that has to know that you're coming from a certain position. I'm not saying you were skewing it, but you'd have to approach that with a certain amount of caution, going, she's an SFP MP, yeah. she has got opposition. You know, if a newspaper did that, is anybody actually going to, you know, are you actually going to pay somebody to write that and then get it read? Should do. So well, newspapers should do. You know, there, there were newspapers that did explanations of the fiscal framework, but none of them were very good. Ah, um, okay. So they weren't. They were either wrong or they were too basic. I'm trying to remember if I did a. <laughs> uh, did I do an explanation of the fiscal framework? I don't. Can't remember. Do you know what Just I think? What's going to happen? I think in ten years, these, there's going to be some sort of fifteen or sixteen year olds who are going to be like, "We found this really cool thing." It's called a newspaper. Yes. <laughs> it's really cool. Retro. Like people go back to vinyl. Is they give you like a balanced view, and there's like yes. articles you agree with, and articles you don't. And it's all in one place, and you don't mm. have to search on the internet. But what newspaper is that going to be? Well, because there aren't any newspapers giving you a balanced view no. anymore. You know, that's no. the trouble. No. There was, no. back in the days, there was no. the Times you could trust. Now the Times is fairly nutty, frankly. You know, you've got... It seems decidedly bricks your regional, your regional paper. Even well, then. Right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, how many of them are going to be around in 15 years' time? Exactly. That's the trouble. Exactly. It's going to be too late by then, apart from yeah. the P&J. The, the present journal we're stuck with forever. Yes. I mean, it's oh, great right. that we're stuck with present journal forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, it's got gajillions of readers. Um, on, on the topic of citizen journalism, I think, briefly, we have to acknowledge that there is a lot of really good citizen journalism out there. I mean, people running their own blogs and reporting sometimes on local issues. There is some really good stuff out there. But if you go back to sort of five or five years or so, a lot of people were predicting that there was going to be a large number of citizen journalists of yeah. blogs. That hasn't really happened. When it does happen, it's often very good, but it's actually quite a small part of the internet. And as we've been discussing, what's tended to happen instead is just people sort of sharing stuff on Facebook. But I think we have to acknowledge there is some really good citizen journalism happening. I think the biggest problem with journalism nowadays is that journalists want to produce things that people, in a way that people don't want to consume them. Um, mm. And there's a mismatch between the people, the way that people want to access stuff and the way mm. that journalists want to produce it. People, as Neil said, people our age don't want to buy a newspaper. Mm. They want to read the articles that we're interested in. Mm. We don't want to, I don't want to read articles on celebrities falling out of taxis or whatever. I'm not interested. Mm. I want to read articles on things that I'm interested in. And if that means reading you know, four articles from four different newspapers, I want to do it that way online mm. rather than mm. buy a newspaper at, for the one article that I'm interested mm. in and have to read the 25 that I'm not interested yeah. in. But, I mean, the, the industry understands that. I mean, the industry is totally focused on online now. I mean, they publish newspapers because for the time being they still make money yeah. and they still That's what the industry is totally focused on, is making money, yeah. which has well, always been totally focused on. Mm. And there is the fundamental problem. Well, unless we're all going to be employed by the BBC. Yeah? Well, wouldn't that be great? Well, I'd be fine by me. Exactly. <laughs> George Osborne yesterday, was it yesterday George Osborne said, oh, uh, nobody wants a national newspaper, like we have a national broadcaster. And I was like, yes, that'd be amazing. <laughs> the BBC's brilliant. It's the greatest thing in the world. Why would we not have one also a mm. newspaper that does the same? Well, it's a, it's a good question. Do we need a commercial news industry? I mean, obviously, you and I, I are mean, journalists, we, we want them to exist because we want our jobs, but really, does oh, yeah, the country... Mean, do without it. You know, the BBC is kept on its toes to some extent by yeah. having commercial rivals, but it's still the best thing there is. So why not have a really good national newspaper? Maybe. 
There you go. There's an idea. Mm. That's when so you get into power. Well, you're in power. Uh, introduce a, a, a Scottish. You could call it the national or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could buy the national. There you go. Get the government to buy the national. That'd be a great idea. I such a good story. I always thought the SNP. Nicholas Sturgeon wants to buy the national. That'd be brilliant. Hmm? I always thought the SNP owned the national. No, oh, in a way they do. They owned it, owned it in the internet way, in the PWN or something. Uh, right. This has been uh, quite a sensible and grown-up discussion. So. Let's do some silly nonsense, shall we? Uh, it's time for the final outing for my amazing jingle machine. Um, what shall we have? Uh, shall we have, if I can find it, this one first. Secrets of Westminster. What did you say? I nearly forgot about that last bit there. Secrets of Westminster. Trivia about Parliament. The people, places, procedure that nobody normal knows about. Who's got any? Top trivia. See if this was the Scottish Parliament. I worked there for seven years. I'd have far more. That's only just been built. But yeah, but there are loads of different things. That, you know, the, the history of the place. You know, Queen's uh, Queensbury House has got lots of history to it. Um, but I think one of the interesting things um, is central lobby. Yeah. And you've got the four patrons yes. uh, of the four nations yeah. uh, at each exit. And the doorkeepers and the tour guides all tell the story about the reasons why the, the patrons are over the particular doors that they are. What's that? Ah, you see? I don't know this. I'm here and here. This is I'm central lobby. You see this on the telly all the time. Yeah. This is where they do the interviews. So um, the, the story goes yeah. uh, that, and this is from the doorkeepers, this is not my, yeah. necessarily my personal they opinion. They know everything. Um, the, 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 St David, patron saint of Wales, yeah. is over the lobby towards uh, the House of Commons because the Welsh are clearly the best orators right. in the land. Um, the the uh, St George, patron saint of, of, uh, of England, is over the lobby towards the Lords because the English have always seen themselves as being superior. Yeah, yeah. I've got a horrible feeling I know where this is going. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> and the, the, the next two are interchangeable Yeah. Uh, depending on the times. And I think the times that, 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 this, that the 1840s when... Uh, obviously, this part was built. Um, the uh, St Andrew is over the uh, is over the exit towards the bars. Yeah. Uh, because obviously we're all alcoholics. Yeah. Uh, and uh, St Patrick for Ireland is over the exit uh, in general because they want rid. And want it's now it's now interchangeable with uh, the yeah. Irish and, and the Scots. We, we we want out of this place and therefore. Uh, so I think that's quite a nice. I, yeah, I've never heard that one. There you go. Cool. How many long I've been here? Good, that is, and of course, central lobby has the grills on the windows are made from the barrier that used to be in the public gallery to keep the ladies under control. Mm. Used to have because when women were all mad. I that was in the Lords as well. A, a the thing. Grill, oh no, there's a footplate around the Lords uh, it, gallery to uh, okay. protect the modesty of the ladies yeah. in, the, in the gallery. There's a curtain so that you can't see up their skirts. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds perfectly reasonable. These are all things that you need to know now, James. Yeah, I'm going to know. Oh, I'm going to have loads of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know. No, I'll have to, I'll have to keep you already. informed of all these things. Well, yes, because you're in charge of uh, the new, charge of in charge of what's happening with the building, right? Of <laughs> the MPs moving out and all the rest of it. Um, well, I said to you already, you shouldn't let the, uh, the journalists back in unless they promise <laughs> to be less sexist uh, and tear down their man wall from the uh, Did you submit that in the consultation? No, I didn't. I should have done it. Eh? Yeah. But I've got your ear. I don't need to do a consultation. Right. You, you can do this. Because <laughs> uh, the press gallery has lots of men's names on the wall and lots of pictures of men on the wall, frankly. Time to change. Um, anybody else got any secrets that they wish to share? Secrets of Westminster? 
not, I mean, not SMP secrets in the current sense. So if you've got any of them, I'm happy to listen to them. It turns out <laughs> SMP have got all sorts of secrets, but um, people procedure places. You know, ladies are allowed to wear hats in the chamber. Are they? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. In the 1990s, there was a debate on the year of the hat. The year of the hat? Um, Shut up. <laughs> seriously. And it was led You're by... This up. It was led by the MP for... Luton, possibly somewhere that they had lots of hat makers. Oh yeah, of course, um, the hatters, yeah. Um, and so the, it was confirmed, and this is an Erskine May. Yeah. Um, it was confirmed that ladies were allowed to wear hats. Well, that explains Anne Milton being able to. Was it Anne Milton? It was one of the Tory whips yeah, last week at a speech for a hat. Oh. So women are allowed to wear hats in the chamber, which I thought was quite an interesting one. Are we allowed to impress that? The other thing that, that is interesting is when you come out of the lobby um, f- after voting, mm-hmm. what you have to do is you go through the two tellers and you get counted, yeah. and you nod to the tellers, like bow to the tellers yeah. when you go through, and they count you when you bow. Now, the reason that you have to bow is because mm-hmm. yeah. um, when you bowed, you had to take off your hat, Right. Right. And there was a while that um, some of the MPs, many, many years ago, um, would go to the pub, get sozzled, and send their man to vote for them. Um, and <laughs> wearing so, the same hat. So, <laughs> the tel- so they, they instituted the bowing, so they would have to take off their hat so they would know that the MP had sent somebody else to vote for them. Wow. That's interesting. That's a great story too. Because, uh, <laughs> There's yeah. all sorts There's of nonsense in this. Place. There is like turning around at prayers and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, do, well. do you know we have we have, so we have prayers that start of every day. Yeah. People, people won't know this because it's not. No, we're TV. not letting. Yeah, you know. Um, so they they have prayers at the start of every day. So the speaker processes in, proceeds in, yeah, um, with the chaplain, nonsense. and there's the big mace behind him, and mm. all sorts of pomp and ceremony. You're not allowed to sit down when the speaker's walking past. Oh, I know. You've got I to stand think, up. Yeah, it's hats, um, I hats off speaker Hats off strangers. Hats off strangers. So, so they come in, and then and then we have prayers, and they actually have prayers. Yeah. Um. So you have to stand during during prayers, and you have to you have to turn round during prayers, apparently, so that they can't see. What religion, what denomination you are? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's back in the day when Catholics were being discriminated against, of course. they couldn't cross themselves. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't want to upset any more people comparing myself to Jesus, but um, it's a bit odd. We do. They are actual prayers, aren't They're they? Because in Scotland, prayers. obviously, it's a moment of reflection or something, isn't it? They have public. It's publicly. Yeah, visible. and they have different denominations come in to mm. to do whatever they're going to do. Um, but the um, one of the things that the chaplain says, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you this, but one of the things he says to. is that um, that may, may our politicians not be led by love of power, which oh, is quite nice. A desire to please, please or worthy ideals. Obviously, Neil goes to prayers more often than I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, that's good. That's it's the nice same thing. prayer every day if it's if it's the same chaplain that's doing it. And does she pray for MPs not to be stupid? Um, you should have that at the end. And let them not be really stupid. That's never going to work. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, should we have another jingle? Should we have? A journalist didn't get that opportunity. Oh, you got, I think well, you probably offered your secrets though. before. Yeah, you got any more secrets you want to offer? I'm sure. I'm not. I'm not sure I do. No. Let's move on to. Um, so I put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, the next jingle fair. on the list, which is uh, is this one. Very, very seldom heard. The Where is David Torrance this week uh, jingle. Right. At this stage. Yeah. Because you briefed us beforehand, right? Yeah. About uh, what you wanted to chat about. Yeah. And one of the things was, do you have any questions for me? Yeah. 
So I've not been here long enough or dealt with you enough to have any insightful questions. So I went to my press office, who well, clearly... You've taken this really seriously. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, this is a very serious thing. The last ever it's not podcast a very serious that you are... It's it never is. been a very serious it's, thing. It, yeah, it is. really upset. I, my, obviously, my press officers, the pr our, our press officers, have had to deal with you far more frequently yes. than we have. So I thought it would only be fair that I be their proxy yeah. to ask you a question. And uh, they were unanimous in their agreement that they wanted to ask, where has this come from? The, 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 the David Torrance thing? Yeah, what, what, what's this all about? They want to know. Well, this is, what is it something to do with beards? No, no, no. I had a beard Are you long jealous before of him. his beard? No, I had a beard long before him. He's copying me. <laughs> the thing with David Torrance, right, it's, it's quite hard to tell without saying like a terrible plonker, for want of a better word. Uh, it's... It's actually quite highbrow comedy, I like to think, all right? Because I used to wind up David Torrance about his TV appearances, because he was on the TV. He's like Scotland's foremost political commentator, right? Yeah. He's kind of gone off the boil a bit recently, but he used to be Scotland's foremost political commentator. Once, somebody referred to Scotland's foremost conservative political commentator <laughs> in the chamber, yeah. and everyone in the press gallery went, oh, is that you, David? <laughs> but it wasn't. They were talking about Alan Conkran. I mean, that, that's the state of conservative commentators in Scotland, Alan Cochran's the best they've got. But, um, yeah, so, because he was like, oh, he did everything. And then I started doing the papers on the BBC. So I would send him little tweets going, oh, I've been on national telly, David. Ah, have you been on national telly? But the whole joke was that his media career was clearly much more successful than mine. Yeah. And yet I'm going, ah, you know, I've got one gig, aren't I amazing? David didn't necessarily quite get it it's fair to say, quite, quite the way I'd hoped okay. um, but that was the point of the jingle was it was going to be a feature about where have you seen David Torrance because he's everywhere all the time or certainly he was 18 months ago um, and then I was hoping we were going to work up to some you know surrealist nonsense about where have you seen David Torrance this week but so, um, so at Diageo's event on Monday night I think it was uh, see he does get everywhere oh, wow. a free whiskey event mm. I should have kept the feature <laughs> there you go there's an answer Man, that's insane. I think um, there's a few Scottish journalists around so right yeah, for the, there were, there were. the free whiskey. Did you not get invited, James? No, I didn't. Oh. But, um, <laughs> Sorry. I went to a whiskey event not so long ago and disgraced myself, so that's probably why I didn't get invited. Not in any... That sounds like I soiled myself. I didn't do that. I didn't disgrace myself in that way. Um, I just... Um, anyway... Let's not go into that. There might have been some illegality He's involved. got amazing hair, David Tarns. He has got amazing hair. hair. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, he has. Uh, he's also got a twin brother you know, that works, really? works for the House of Lords. It's really weird. You see him around the place and go, there's David. Oh, it's not David Torrance. It's oh, the other one. David, maybe it was a twin that I saw. There is another. Yeah, it probably was. Because David Torrance is supposed to be an Edinburgh. Are you case. sure it is a twin? Yeah, yeah. Some, some people just like to pretend that they are two people. Two no, no, no. Well, this is what I always say. Very useful, isn't it? He used to be on the telly in Edinburgh and London all the time. And I was like, oh, he must be sending his brother along to do the London <laughs> gigs. And he does all the Edinburgh ones because he was everywhere all the time. I think uh, the opposite would be more useful. Having what? two people doing one job. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah, well, that's what I thought he was up to. Yeah. But um, there we go. I should have kept this feature. Uh, where is David Torrance? It turns out he was... Uh, drinking free booze or possibly his brother was um, right should we have another jingle yeah yeah there's lots of enthusiasm for the jingles today yeah <laughs> glad to hear it it's weird he's got a beard that make him weird how long till he's disappeared he's weird he's got a beard there's a prog rog wig out at the end who could we possibly be talking about Somebody who's about to disappear next week. Is he? Who's that? No, not is me. Oh, I'm sorry. not weird. Sorry. Got a beard. <laughs> sorry. Oh. sorry. 
Oh, dear. As someone who's held on for far longer than James expected him to. It is. When I made that song, I thought people... Again, that was another feature. I thought I'd just get people to guess when Jeremy Corbyn's career is going to falter. Um, but he's still here. But since it's the last podcast, let's have some last uh, guesses, estimates. John, how long's Jeremy Corbyn got? Uh, I think he'll be Labour leader until um, shortly after May 2020. You're wrong. Uh, Neil, how long's Jeremy Corbyn got? I think it could quite closely mirror that of the Prime Minister's uh, career, and I think that'll be before Christmas. Before Christmas? Ah! Mm. Oh, what, what are the circumstances here? Talk us through this. Well, I think, well, particularly David Cameron, because um, I think regardless of what happens with the EU referendum, whichever yeah. way it goes, the schisms in the party are yeah. such that, that it's going to be irreparable for him and um, the, the Boris mania that there is, he'll be out. Right. Um, and I just think the knives are out for Germany. I think um, you know, there'll be plenty he'll be saying that he's been pretty lacklustre on the referendum, the results haven't been great, and uh, if they can get somebody to coalesce around, then and I think if Cooper is pushing herself mm. in that yeah. direction. Andy Burnham's probably yeah. going to be off to, off to Manchester, uh, pulls him away. Uh, I think I think it could be Christmas, before that, Christmas. That and the fact that Andy Burnham's rubbish, as I pointed out in the column last week. Fair. I mean, I think He's that, a bungler. That, 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 that bungler I think Burnham. his response call to the Hillsborough statement was that's, incredible. That's the only good thing he's ever done. I mean, he managed to lose to Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, come on. Well, How bad do you have to be to do that? Well, four you know, very similar candidates managed to split the vote uh, in order for uh, Jeremy Corbyn to come through. rubbish. And, and also there was a massive, a bigger issue at play, the Labour Party, after the independence referendum, and you had a big movement in uh, there as well. He but said he was going to stand for Manchester and said, yeah, it's really hard in the North, everyone laughs at you if you're going to be an MP or a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah, well done, that's going to get you lots of votes. <laughs> He's a bungler. He bungled the mid-staffs thing. He's bungled the leadership twice. I spoke to him ahead of the Scottish referendum, and he said, oh, I like football. Like, that's all he talks about is football. If he doesn't know, what he is. no, no, not having Burnham anywhere. But I suspect, like I say, I suspect Christmas. Okay, Kirsty, how long has Corbyn got? Um, either until just after twenty twenty, or I don't know. I don't there know you go. enough Politicians about politicians' answer. Go yeah, either no. or. I don't know enough about how when English local elections are to know when are the key dates coming up. Next um, yeah. There's ones next May. Yeah, they might, next May. Well, they might wait until after that then, because I think it would be really daft to have a leadership contest in the run-up to a big election if you could avoid it. Mm-hmm. I think you would want to be you know, having it after the big election. Okay. Or it could galvanise where I'm coming from. Yeah, that would mitigate towards yeah. Christmas. Yeah, that would make But then I think that's too soon. That's too soon for a new leader to um, take charge of the party and to ensure that you win. Yeah. There's not, there's not a lot you'd have to do there in order to... The only thing I'm thinking is your, your scenario and your involves yeah, a lacklustre leader who does a bit for the referendum, gets them over the line, knives are out, get a new leader in by Christmas with elections in May, and then they fail horribly. I've heard this story before somewhere. This one sounds terribly like Scottish Labour, right? <laughs> is that where you're drawing this from? I mean, no, this sounds terribly like, you no, know. No, no. I, just, I just think, you know, I've, I've thought for a long time that um, Cameron's goose is cooked. Um, and I just think that maybe there could be a parallel to be yeah. done there. Mm, okay. Annabelle, how long do you got? I'm going to say something different because mm. I yeah. think if there's Brexit, which I actually don't think there is, but if there is, mm. Boris will call a snap election mm. yeah. to mm-hmm. try and get a massive Ooh. majority. Yes. And then Corbyn will be out there. 
that is a scenario. Which would be before Christmas. Yeah. Boris. Yeah, so it's like yours. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm saying Boris calls snap election. Okay. I, I think that's not a bad insight. Into yeah. What could happen. I think He's ruthless enough. Cool. I think whenever the next election is, and it may be before 2020, I think Corbyn will clearly go after that. But right now, Labour MPs don't believe they can get rid of him. I mean, there's some debate about whether to try to force a contest anyway, just to sort mm. of see whether that lies and what the status of their own yeah. party and the membership, but they, they don't believe that they can get rid of him. And I don't think they're convinced that um, that's going to change. I mean, they're, they're, a lot of them are really in despair. I mean, the next, um, in 2017, we've got all these mayoral elections. We've been talking yes. about Andy Burnham. Like, Labour's going to win in Liverpool, in Newcastle, mm. in Manchester, in Birmingham, in the sort of greater city regions. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be like this time where... I mean, it's always possible it would be a disaster for Labour, but if they hang on, so to speak, which they will, because they'll win in those, mm. those cities, yeah, yeah. The, the the membership, which still, as far as anybody can tell, will just vote for Corbyn again yeah. if they have another contest, or at least for somebody very similar to him, um, they're not going to change their views. Oh, okay. Well, the answer is we don't know, then. We don't know. We've got <laughs> four different I've answers, before, basically. I'm really disappointed that Corbyn's so rubbish. Mm. Yes. Really disappointed. Yes, guff. I mean, there's no doubt about that, is there? He's, he's, I don't know. I can't think of anybody worse that I've seen perform, you know, front bench, back bench, anything. Most of all, it's really hard to think of any policies um, that have actually changed in the Labour Party since... Um, mm. well, I mean, supposedly, in the past, according to the Corbynites, it was a terrible sort of Tory-like party, but what's really changed in terms of policy? They didn't uh, bring anything. I mean, we we brought forward an alternative Queen's speech. We heard no, we've heard nothing from Labour Party in terms of legislative uh, proposals, in terms of where they are on issues. It's been very yeah. it's just kind of been floating along the last few months. Oh, isn't it terrible? <laughs> <laughs> the politics is rubbish. Uh, no, it'll all get better. Uh, um, shall we have uh, a final jingle? Here we go. This is the final jingle uh, of this podcast. And it's uh, it's called not the Portillo moment, which is should be could be called not the Douglas Alexander moment. But here we go. Do you remember not the Michael Portillo moment? That was uh, the last thing David Bowie recorded before he died. <laughs> that's, that's actual David Bowie on it. Um, what are you laughing at? It was. Um, I'm just going to ask whether you voiced you voiced all these jingles. Oh, is this all you? Yeah, it's that's the question I like. You, see, you can't tell, can you? <laughs> see? My mum famously said, who's, who's, who's doing them? And the, the, the rapper man, is that you as well? well she now, said, now she said to me, she said to me, she said to me, how did you get permission to use that David Berry stuff? I was like, oh, I don't know, I just phoned him up. It's the, last occasion, um, it's the last occasion we'll hear them. Well, who, well, who knows? This podcast is up for grabs. If anybody wants to take it over, they could, you know, we'll throw in the podcast as a job lot. You can have this. <laughs> anybody <laughs> wants a Scottish politics podcast, take it on. Well, I need to tap up John Nicholson. He's, I believe he's a former journalist he occasionally mentions it um he he could take this he's on. in a portfolio where he kind of needs to what have a podcast no mention, mention it. it what mention it. I mean, it's quite relevant well mm. it's what, what, what portfolio is that a portfolio for going on telly a lot culture media and sport yeah and being on telly he's on telly all the time all the radio and he's good at that too well that's true he is good at it but um it sometimes feels like he's the only person 
he does the what's that? Some of us Andrew Neil's program every Thursday night. Yeah. Does the Westminster well, every I think Sunday? Andrew Neil tonight again. See? Uh, but, um, but some of us only have faces for radio. James. That's uh, well. Uh, why do you think I've got a podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, not the particular moment. It's favourite election memories. I think it should be recalled. Not the Douglas Alexander moment, really, these days. Uh, favourite election memories? Which had? election? Any election. Watching it on telly, standing, working for... You've all worked for MPs and MSPs and stuff. Mm. I quite liked Willie Rennie's pig moment this year. <laughs> oh, hang on. How can we talk um, about that? I'm sorry. I'll just not... I'll just this is when Willie Rennie that. was pictured um, with pigs partaking in... The they were having fun. Uh, yes, having a special cuddle behind him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was talking about how um, he was sure that the party would make this relevant somehow. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm not sure why I'm here, but I'm sure the party will make this speech relevant somehow. This. Yeah. Um, also, it was the week after he said the most bizarre comment on the TV debate about not measuring pigs when they're getting fat or something like that, comparing pigs to teachers or teachers to pigs mm-hmm. or something I mean it was just ridiculous okay um, so anyway. it all came into a weird context that was just weird but my genuine best moment yeah. in this campaign was um, when Nicola Sturgeon came to Aberdeen um, and oh, was that it just no me, oh, listen <laughs> and Brian Adam used to be a member of the Scottish Parliament who died in yeah. 2013 yep. he was a fabulous MSP and I had he was just an absolutely Lovely wonderful man. guy brilliant and Brian's granddaughter was there, just a little baby. Yeah. Um, and Nicola got to say hello to Brian's granddaughter, and it was just the most beautiful moment. And everybody was welling up, and it was just really, really lovely. That, and that's, I'm never going to forget that. It was, it was lovely. Isn't that partly because Nicola goes around having a bitch taken with every baby when it gets to about one year old, so that everyone <laughs> in Scotland has had a selfie with Nicola Sturgeon? That's the law there now, My isn't it? My children haven't met Nicola. Really? I, I can't, I'm not quite sure how I've managed this. That's um, a snob if ever. No wonder you're not standing for deputy leader. Harris, Harris shared a bacon roll with um, Alec Salmond um, when Alec was leader. Shared a bacon um, roll with yeah. Alec Salmond? I'm surprised. Alec was, like, know, Alec was like, oh, there, man, there's a small child. Would you, would you like half my bacon roll? And Harris half was like, yes. Really? Or just a crumb? <laughs> and, no, it was genuinely half. Harris pick, was so delighted. Did he pick the crumbs out of his hair afterwards? <laughs> we know Alec Salmond likes playing with people's hair. Yeah, uh, that was the weirdest story, wasn't it? Well, we did it. He was playing with Margaret Ferrier's hair in the She had something in her hair. Weird. It was a bit weird. Mainly because the speaker went, Oi, what are you doing? The speaker made it weird. It was not actually weird. Well, mm, borderline. Um, (laughs) Election memory, Neil? Yeah, I I think um, polling day on uh, Independence Referendum Day 2014 probably encapsulated uh, the highs and lows of politics. For me, yeah. Um, so all through the day, I was stood on a polling station mm. um, in Livingston, uh, and was absolutely convinced that we were going to win. That yeah. I was going to win. You know, the folk coming through, you always look out for the nods and the winks, and the folks saying, "I go on, son, uh, you're doing, you know, yeah. you're going to win this day," and all the rest of it. And the feeling was incredible. And you know, I was in touch with Alec, who's in Airdrie, and I was in touch with <laughs> others all over the place, and everybody was saying the same thing. It's been brilliant. And I went home for my uh, dinner, uh, took a, an hour uh, back at the house with uh, my wife and my then very young daughter. Uh, and I said to Carly, my wife, we're going to win this, we're definitely going to win this. And I went to the count, oh, uh, just, just absolutely certain. And then first couple of boxes opened up and I was like, oh no. Yeah. And the crushing feeling of seeing you know, council after council area declare no, and when Clark Cutmanch came through, that was the big one because that's you know, yeah, know, central I mean, that Scotland was... in so many ways, and it was just devastating. Um, and from the high of thinking we've done this, you know, mm-hmm. our 
life's work in politics, our determination, our absolute resin d'etre for being and doing what we do mm. because we believe in where it can take us, um, to then go, gone, puffed. Yeah, I think that's probably my memory of um, all the elections I've done in this. Lights world. have gone out. Yeah, the lights have gone out. Moment. Yeah, that sounds a bit <laughs> depressing, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think all the elections I've covered in this job have been a bit like that. You know, not necessarily what I want to happen or whatever, but clearly, if yes, had won that. There, we're trying, we're trying to make the lights come on. Yeah. They used to move around or something. Yeah. The lights are by the door. Uh, Kirsty Blackman is now skipping around like a flower or a bird or something trying to make the lights come on. Um, yeah, obviously if yes had won that referendum, the next day would have been quite a thing. The next As it was, the next day was sort of, oh, oh that happened. Literally sat on the couch. And then we had a general election, and again, every, the next day sort of went, oh, the Tories have won. Uh, you know, slim majority, much like independence referendum. It wasn't a, necessarily a massive win for either side, but it was clear. Um, and then uh, this year again, in the Hollywood elections, it was like, oh, SNP have won, but uh, they haven't got, oh, you know, didn't get a majority. So it's sort of, every election has been a bit like, uh, you know, I sort of, I wish for a 97, you know, when whatever you thought, everyone voted the same way and it was, wow, this is and with massive. Neil, the emotion was different on mm. yesterday and, you know, I, so... Yesterday? Yesterday, it was yesterday. What's it was yesterday? The, it was the, the day that everybody should have voted yes. <laughs> <laughs> election day was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, I, you know, I, I had been working in the office and I had a, a pretty young baby. No, Rebecca was one, but she um, wasn't sleeping through the night. So um, right. I was working flat out in the campaign. and was absolutely wrecked. It was done in. Um, so I was at the count and I was the one that was sitting on the computer putting in, um, you know, Samples. the results and stuff as they were coming in. Um, and then no. I realised what was going to happen and I was like, look, if I go back in that room, I'm going to cry. No. You know, I have to go home. So I went home um, it was not a fun journey. Um, but I slept, I got up in the morning and I, you know, f found out all the results when I woke up. Yeah. Um, and I was like, right, we have to run away. I can't, I can't face anybody. No. Anybody who speaks to me, I'm going to cry. If they're nice or if they're nasty, I'm going to cry. doesn't matter what they say, I'm going to cry. So we ran away. We got in the car and drove to Aviemore and stayed there for three nights. Because mm. I was like, I can't face anybody that I know. It was the most emotional thing I've ever done by a country mile. Are you jealous, journos, of that? Because we cover elections, mm. but we don't engage yes. with them in that way. Yes. I mean, all right, these guys yes. lost that one. Obviously, one, 12 months, oh, not 12 Ooh. months later, nine months later. Um... Do you wish you could sort of engage in that way and feel it that deeply? Or do you prefer to sit on the outside and watch all I, the candidates crying? I, no, I, actually, I don't, I don't like saying... I actually do feel sympathy when, you know, a career... Yeah. A career is ruined. Actually, I, you know, I, as a human... Yeah. And as a human story, you know, it's very easy. And I, I was going to say, I have to have a bit of a Norwich City scene because of where I cover it. But, you know, when Ed Balls went... Yeah, yeah. And that was the sort of defining English moment of yeah, the last yeah. election. And, you know, seeing that from a kind of, yeah, human, you know, the, the politics, we write about politics as if it's a game. But then mm. when you're actually at the count and, and someone's husband mm. or wife is there, yeah. um, and something they've put in so much, I, no, I don't, feel, I don't feel jealous, but I can, I, I can see the kind of human side of it. But on the brutal. Brutal. Yeah, you, yeah, okay. and it is, and actually, count night is mm. when it is so. That's when you see the real kind of brutality of politics. 
but on the plus side that freed Ed Balls up to run Norwich City Football Club which yeah. he's uh, taken down to the championship so that's uh, yeah know, know. that's brilliant well done him <laughs> uh, right, we're going out we're going out I don't know yeah. uh, we'll deal with that next year you've got a Scottish <laughs> manager still got the same Scottish yeah, manager he's still yeah, there yeah, 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 yeah. which is hilarious because you see the number of times that my former boss Alex Neil. Uh, you know, it's just yeah it's just weird yeah. I think he doesn't understand um, our area though I mean I think because everyone's the kind of mentality is very much they're like you know as in the butch the other day in Norwich they're like actually I quite like the championship you know this <laughs> <laughs> kind of he's Glaswegian isn't he yeah, I mean he, this is just a completely foreign concept to him it's yeah. just like what on earth oh that's nice how many people do understand Norfolk, to be fair? It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting sort of place, let's say. Uh, John, anything to, any memories? Um, election memories? I think that the Jealousy one... Jealousy of these candidates? Oh, I think, I think being a politician is really hard, actually. I think I'm very pleased that I'm doing what I do. I think it's a lot harder on the other side of the, uh, the fence, to be honest. Um, but, uh, I mean, only election memory that really sticks out for me recently is uh, the unveiling of, of the Edstone oh, in 2015. Um, and it wasn't just uh, that Miliband unveiled this stone which had the uh, party's pledges etched on it, but it was a proposal which apparently was, I mean, it was true, his press office put this out that if he won the election, he was going to put it in the garden of Downing Street. Yeah. And um, it had a Labour sort of logo on it. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it wouldn't be, ele- mm. must be some planning permission element to it, but... It was at that point, I mean, everybody thought Labour was going to probably going to win. Everybody thought it was going to be close and Labour would either win or, or they do enough that they yeah. would probably form mm. the next government somehow. But I think it was at that point that you really realised that whether or whoever was going to win, that Labour's campaign was bad, that there was some sort of problem. Yeah. Um, I want to know who wrote it. Because, I mean... The tenses weren't the same in the language. You know, some of them were written. I really don't think that's why, so not why people didn't no, vote for Ed no, Miliband. Well, no, do I. <laughs> you know, it'd be quite a good prime minister, but it's rubbish at grammar. He's got to go. Ooh. But it really annoyed me. <laughs> if you're going to do something like that, if you're going to get something etched on stone, at least get the grammar right. Yeah. Well, that. I mean, you know, even if it's a rubbish concept yeah. um, and it's got rubbish pledges on it, at least get the grammar right. I would annoy everybody in Downing Street as well. I mean, he was going to put there, he was going to put it there so he'd remember his pledges. He was going to forget <laughs> them otherwise, mad. apparently. But yeah, if that was sitting there for five years, going, oh, it's like the, the wrong economy. tenth. Like the economy. I can't remember what they were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yes, indeed, like the economy. Um, right. Listen, uh, this has gone on for ages. Oh, there's my phone. Would you believe it? That's uh, that's timely. Uh, somebody's saying you should be at your desk. Uh, uh, oh, I know who that is. I'm going to take it right now. Um, so there's a, a typically, employer. typically <laughs> shambling end to this podcast life, uh, to this little I'm bonus. I'm really sad yeah. that this well, is the end. Good, I'm really pleased sad. to hear it. Well, I'll say it's up for grabs for anybody who wants to take it on. Well, why don't you just like, carry it like on? Like Doctor Who. No, because I'm going to be apolitical. Doing your lunchtime. Uh, well, I still can't express views. Not I'd have to get views. rid of my Jeremy Corbyn song for a start, wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. You know, um, anyway, the point is, uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, you never know. I might get to do podcasts in my new job of, you know, interesting facts about Parliament, which is basically what we've been doing here. Secrets um, of the House of Commons. You yes, keep that one, exactly. Secrets of West Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I'll keep that one. Yeah, that might come yeah, back. Okay. There you go. Um, right. Thank you to, uh, again, to all my contributors over the whatever year and a bit I've been doing this. And uh, particularly today to Kirsty Blackman, to Hi. Neil Gray, 
to John Walker and to Annabelle Dixon. And no, no tuning in next time. Uh, this is it. Just listen back to the previous sixty or something if you want some <laughs> more. Uh, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>